Hi, this is Terry Schull from Placidas, New Mexico, and you're listening to the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Hello, hockey fans from around the world. I am Richard Cote, the producer of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. It is the second line edition of the podcast, and you know what that means. It means that our publisher is out at a Billy Idol concert over at San Diego Casino, so he's not joining us this week. I mean, the fact that he would stand us up to go see Billy Idol. I mean, come on. Come on, Lou. In 2023. Do do better, Lou. Um, But in his absence, I provide to you the snarky Canadian himself, Jacob Doherty. Jacob, staying safe up there in Alberta? Nope. I am on fire as we speak. Oh, you you look on fire. Um, Just your whole aura is just glowing right now. Um, That's because I'm on fire. It's because you're on fire. Uh, in all seriousness, I hope everybody up there is is staying safe. Jacob, hope you and your family are are staying put or doing what you need to stay safe in these wildfires. I know uh, the uncertainty of those is not very much fun. So, listeners, I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you from the uh, Pro Hockey News Studio One B, uh, Studio One A in the basement of said facility here is still drying out from last week when we saw some flooding come into the studio carpet was soaked it um it's dry now everything seems fairly dry but uh the smell is a little unbearable so i have gone up two floors uh to be up here at the second floor of the phn studios also known as my house um (sighs) And, uh, you know, there's just a whole list of, of stuff going on with the storms that we had coming through here to Colorado and now the wildfire smoke we're getting from Alberta. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, but you know what? I- I'm, I'm going to forego a rant on any of that because really all that matters is everybody's safe and we're getting everything taken care of. So let's dive in to some hockey news. We have... Um, Playoffs still going on in the ECHL. I'll give a quick re- uh, quick roundup of what's happening in the Kelly Cup playoffs of the ECHL. We now have our Eastern and Western Conference Finals set to uh, start today. We have the uh, Toledo Walleye versus the Idaho Steelheads and the Newfoundland Growlers versus the Florida Everblades. I believe uh, first games are going to be uh, first game is going to be Newfoundland versus Florida uh, this evening, 730 Mountain Time or 730 Eastern Time, 530 Mountain Time. So um, as we're recording this in about a half hour is when Puck is going to drop on game one uh, between the Growlers and Everblades and uh, the Western Conference finals between the Steelheads and the Walleye will start tomorrow at 710 Mountain Time or uh, 510 or sorry or 9 10 Eastern time. Wow. They've really flip flopped the, the times just on the, the ECHL's website. They're not really keeping constant time. I guess it's where the game is being played is, is what they're, they're going with. But um, just a quick recap over the uh, division finals that we saw. Uh, we had the North division finals between uh, the Reading Royals and the Newfoundland Growlers. Newfoundland took that series Four games to one. The South Division Finals was between uh, Florida Everblades and the Jacksonville Icemen. Florida taking that four games to two. Uh, Cincinnati ends up getting swept by the Walleye in the Central Division Finals. And the uh, Mountain Division Finals, 
Idaho took care of the Allen Americans four games to one. Um, uh, I, I know we we talked a little bit uh, on this, especially on this podcast, um, about the worries of the Idaho Steelheads. This seems to be um, vanishing quickly. They had a slow start to the playoffs, um, which you know concerned some people. But uh, this uh, four games to one uh, looks like um, you know the one game that the Idaho didn't win. They only scored two goals. Everything else. You know, they, they won game one, five, four, game two, six, two, lost game three, seven, two, uh, one game four, nine to three, and then shut out the Americans in game five, six, nothing. I think Idaho is back in their top form. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, quite the competition between them and Toledo, Toledo, another team who was hot at the end of the regular season. So uh, the Western Conference final is going to be extremely interesting to watch as we uh, get set on those tomorrow. Uh, not to say that the Eastern Conference won't be as well. Um, that is starting tonight. Uh, looking over at the AHL, we have the Eastern Conference final set up between the Rochester Americans and the Hershey Bears. Western Conference finals, that one's still up in the air. Uh, we have two deciding games that are going to be happening this evening. Um, or sorry, uh, today and tomorrow, today and Sunday, if I can read. Let's start that. They're both going to be tonight. I am getting way ahead of myself. I'm seeing game five as Sunday between Milwaukee and Texas. So uh, two potentially deciding games tonight as we record this on Friday, May 19th. Um, the Texas stars are trailing the Milwaukee admirals in the best of five series, two game or yeah, two games to one and the Pacific division finals. This is game five between the Calgary Wranglers and the Coachella Valley firebirds uh, winner of that game. will move on to the Western conference finals. Milwaukee could uh, wrap things up tonight. Otherwise game five will be in Texas on Sunday at uh, 7 p.m. I'm guessing this is mountain time, but you know, they don't tend to list these. So we'll see. It might be central time. Uh, thank you, AHL website. But um, just going over what we saw in the division finals, the Atlantic division, um, Hershey Bears swept the Hartford Wolfpack three games to nothing. Allen Americans, similar thing, swept the Toronto Marlies. A little bit of a surprise there. Um, and then, yeah, here we are with the uh, Pacific Division and the Central Division uh, final still going on. Winners of those to go on to the Western Conference finals. So playoffs galore. We have a lot going on in the minor leagues. We have a lot going on in the NHL as well. Um, Jacob, you mentioned before we started recording here that you were very tired. Is there a particular reason why? So in... <laughs> The game started at six o'clock for us <laughs> in in the mountain time zone. Well, I'm sorry. Which, that, which game is this? The sixth longest game ever. <laughs> uh, the, between the Carolina Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers <laughs> went to four to overtimes. Almost five. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, 12 seconds left on, on the clock, right? When uh, yeah. Kachuk scores. Oh my God. What a, just what a game. Oh, I barely I, remember it. I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, I, I would have loved to have watched that and then have to go to work at 4 a.m. Uh, and just be a zombie. But, you know, that that was great hockey. I, I checked out the highlights. Boy, what a game. Um, I do have to get your um, your opinion on this, Jacob. The interference call that, that called back uh, Florida's goal. Um, your thoughts on that? Oh, you have to call that. I don't think there's any wiggle room. I think you have to call that, especially in the playoffs. Even when the player's uh, forward momentum is being impeded into the goalie. Yes. By a defenseman. Yes, because he put himself in that position. Okay. I mean, he, I, ch- he chose to drive the play and there, there are some small, small ways that he could have maybe have gotten out of that a bit, but at the end of the day, you, the rest have to call that. I don't think there's any, I don't think it's a controversial call. I think it makes perfect sense uh, why they called it because you can't have uh, an overtime winner in the Eastern conference finals um, be a cheap goal like that, because there are potentially six more games left to play. And if you allow that, what else are you going to allow? Or, or what's going to be the response in future games, right? Yeah. Is, do players say, okay, I can do that, and then, you know, get yeah. involved in the goalie? And also, um, is it Campbell? I forget. Why am I drawing a blank on this? Um, or Anderson, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Anderson um, played fantastic, but he was also in the blue paint. You yeah. can't touch the goalie ever in the blue paint. No, um, and you, I agree with the call. Um, I just see that there's, you know, some potential wiggle room as far as the interpretation of the rule, um, seeing as the Florida player was kind of almost driven into not exactly forcibly, but, um, you know, any exit given the, the player's momentum was taken away and the only path was through the defender and through the goalie. Um, unless, you know, of course, he comes to a hard stop and and turns around. Um, I see. Yeah. I mean, he could have done that potentially. I don't know if he would have avoided contact. It. Um, I don't know. To, to me, there there was still a little uncertainty there. I could have seen the call going either way. It, it wasn't egregious uh, contact that he had made um, with absolutely no contact from the defenseman. So. Yeah, in my mind, I feel like that call could have gone either way. I'm glad it went to the um, that they did end up calling goaltender interference because of what you had stated, Jacob. You know, the series going forward, this is going to be kind of the the setting of the tone of we're not going to put up with any of that. You need to stay away from the goaltenders, especially you know when they're in the blue paint. Uh, we're not going to tolerate any sort of contact. So. Um, you know, happy they called that, but you know, it's just one of those where something kind of gets everybody talking. You get a goaltending interference call that that calls back a goal. Um, uh, you go, you look back at the, uh, the Toronto series and the no goal goal that was, that was there. Everybody saying, Oh, it was a goal. Oh, it was a goal. No, it wasn't a goal. It wasn't a goal. Whistle blew before the puck even showed up behind the, the line. Um, I don't know. This goes back to my, I think the officiating has been fairly good in the playoffs. Um, I've had no major issues with the calls that have been called and the calls that haven't been, been made. So 
Um, to me, I, I think uh, the refereeing, uh, the refereeing crews have been doing a great job. And this is definitely one of those calls that they absolutely had to make. Uh, so uh, continuing with our, our coverage of the uh, Florida and Carolina game, um, I, just noticing a, a weakness or maybe not a weakness, but uh, a strong point for Florida and a slight weakness for Carolina. Uh, Carolina's inability to score five on five, given almost six periods of or sorry, given almost uh, seven, eight periods of play. Um Jacob, you were able to, to watch the full game. How did Carolina look five on five? They were given nothing. I think there's more credit to be given to Florida uh, for their defense and just for being able to press Carolina and just not give them any opportunities um, just in the middle of the ice. They, they just completely boxed them out at every point. And there weren't really many shots that got, got through, period, or that were... It, ready to be taken. There was just never an open player except for maybe like a point shot. Mm-hmm. And even at that, it was blocked fairly regularly. So I, yeah. I think uh, Florida deserves a lot more credit for the defense than Carolina deserves um, ridicule for their offense. Okay. Um, I mean, see, uh, taking a look at the, uh, at the stats here, shot totals, I mean, uh, the Hurricanes were able to put 65 shots on net in the, uh, you know, seven periods of of play there. Uh, they were two for six on the power play. So, I mean, um, you're able to to convert one third of your power play opportunities. Uh, fine. Um, Going to like 10 minutes left in the third, um, they had a perfect power play up to that point. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, uh, Carolina or sorry that, uh, Florida interchangeable in my mind right now, uh, (laughs) Florida uh, deserves a lot more credit for the way they've been able to shut down teams in the, uh, in the postseason first with Boston, then with Toronto, uh, they're showing they're still able to, uh, get that, that scheme working against, uh, Carolina. Um, you know, they, they went over three on the power play, all their goals came even strength. So, um, and they're putting 60 shots on net as well. Um, so yeah, uh, hats off to the Panthers and you know how they've been able to find out ways to win. The one thing I'm disappointed about is I, I really wanted to see a Carolina win at home just so I could see what the storm surge was going to be in the playoffs you know, in the, in the Eastern conference final, because oh, yeah. I feel like it'd just be building and building and building that they, they have something special, you know, planned for these home games. You, you know, they do. Um, that's just something I would like to see. Um, something I didn't like to see. And maybe this is just my, my own personal gripe and Jacob, I'm gonna let you chime in here in just a second. Um, Kachuk celebration at the end of the game. Uh, it, it's almost as if he felt like he had won the Stanley cup. He went racing down, uh, almost shushing the crowd. Um, he, you know, their, their goaltender gets tackled. I get it. This was a marathon of a game, but it's game one of the Eastern conference finals. You, you still got a ways to go. Uh, you haven't won the series yet. Granted, you won a very important game in the series. Um, so I, I get that part, but I don't know. I, I felt like it was just a tad bit excessive, but that's my personal taste. Uh, Jacob, y- your thoughts, man. I thought Lou was the grumpy one. 
I, I gotta uh, make up for it somehow with his absence. <laughs> I think it's fine, dude. It, it's the Stanley Cup Finals. It's the Eastern Conference Final. Let people be happy. Let people. I, I feel like okay. I, I'm of the mind, and this is a kind of a hot take for me. I I really feel like a lot of what sports media has done is made it so players can't really show their true emotions at any point in time. And there's a select few who do, and Matthew Chuck has always has always been one of them. And I think it's great when players show emotions when they're so overjoyed and happy and excited that they're tackling their goalie, they're shushing the crowd, they're going ballistic. I think that's fantastic. I don't care at what point of in the season it is. I just want to see that emotion because that, as a fan, if I'm a fan of the Florida Panthers, that makes me more hyped. And I think that's great. I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been happy because I have, obviously this is a big win. This is a big game for them to get, um, you know, game one of a series is always one of the most important ones to win other than the last game of the series. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I felt like. Yeah. If this was another player, would you have your same, the same feeling? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Uh, 100%. If it was a different sport, I'd still have the, the same, you know, same thoughts on this. It's, I, I feel oh, like your biggest. Soccer. <laughs> I don't. Um, I feel like your, your biggest celebration needs to be, you know, when you win the trophy, when you win the championship, when, when you're the top of the league, when you're the best of the best. Yeah, I, I, I had the same issue with, uh, you know, former uh, Denver Broncos coach Josh McDaniels. He started out 6-0 and here in his first season in Denver. After that sixth win, he went running down the sidelines as if he had just won the Super Bowl, ended up missing the playoffs that year. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 to me, it's just like, okay, I, I get that you're excited. I understand that. I, I truly do. And maybe it's just because I'm not one to – you know, be big and showboaty with my celebrations, you know, our, my rec league team, we won our championship in our last season. Um, that was exciting, but I, you know, was nowhere near the excitement of, you know, Matthew Chuck, but you know, I've also not played a single game in the NHL. Um, but he, he has played quite a few games. So I feel like he, he, maybe he could have dialed that back. I mean, Calgary. I, I still, I'm still, kidding. The NHL, I'm that, kidding. That's, I'm sorry. that's still a huge step above what I am physically able to play. Um, but I mean, I, I, I am kind of torn a little bit because yes, I do agree. Players should be able to, you know, express themselves the way they want, but I also feel like there's an appropriate way to do it, especially when you're on the road. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm lost on this one. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way. It, uh, everybody else is it, you know, free to feel however they want about it. I just thought it was a little I, much. I, I will say I have two lines that I think uh, should never be crossed in terms of like celebrations. And I have two examples. One, Rocco Gudis uh, on Justin Wool screaming in his face. After that was goal. a bit much. That was, a bit that much. was, that was no, you don't do that. Come on. Especially like, yeah, I get you're excited. Don't be, be to the other team. Come yeah, on. Yeah, you don't kick a guy when he's down. Yeah. And two, um, I remember, I think it was, it was the guy who got traded to Edmonton. Andrew Ference. Yes. The, okay. Yeah. The guy who went on to be the Edmonton Oilers who decided, wow, this guy's captain material after that. 
anyways. Um, all right. So given what we saw in game one, I know it's a small sample size. These two teams have played each other a few times this year, being division rivals. Jacob, what is your prediction how this series is going to end? There's going to be a lot of overtimes. Yeah. There's going to be a lot because these two teams play exactly the same. And it's going to be a a war of attrition here. And I don't know who I want, who I trust more, honestly. This is such a hard team to pick because one thing that I saw a lot last game was Carolina couldn't really get into the zone. Whereas Florida was able to, but when Florida had the puck on their stick into the zone and like had, uh, were in the spots to be in scoring positions, they never really looked like they were going to score. They never looked, they never gave me the feeling that they were going to score. It always looked like they were just going to have like a dirty, uh, bounce or, or looking for like a good bounce off a, off the goalie and then have that go in and went that way. But, and then Carolina just started falling apart slowly, especially after the in like late in the second overtime, third overtime, they were just icing the puck so, so much. Mm. Um, actually, well, I mean, honestly, both teams were, I'd like to, I was trying to find the stats for how many icings there were, <laughs> Anyways, after that tangent, I'm going to pick Florida in seven. Okay. Simply because they showed more that game, and Bobrovsky showed. Holy crap! <laughs> he played out of his mind last yeah. night, and I uh, I really like hot goaltenders, especially in the playoffs. And Bobrovsky's on the case. 63 saves last night for Bobrovsky. Um, I, I'm going to go Carolina in seven. Uh, I don't see this series going anything shorter than seven. I think you'll agree. Um, and really, it, it truly, it is going to be a toss of the coin. Uh, maybe I'm slightly jaded that I want Florida to lose because they beat my Bruins. But um, I also think that Carolina has something that you know, that Toronto didn't have that maybe Boston didn't have. They just have this chemistry about that team. And, and, and you know, I know we're, we're in the postseason, So regular season records are just not to be trusted, but in the regular season, uh, Carolina and Florida faced each other three times. Um, Carolina took that series two games to one outscoring Florida, 10 goals to seven. Um, Yeah. I mean, do whatever you want with those stats. I I still think Carolina holds the edge. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how they come back in game two, just given, uh, you know, the marathon that they had in game one, if they can split the home series, I feel much better about my, uh, my prediction of Carolina winning the series. Um, If they, you know, if they lose both games at home, even if they go on to win two games in Florida, I'm I'm still worried that uh, Florida just has that momentum that they're carrying from the last two series. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to take uh, Carolina seven games. That's what I am going to jot down and I'm going to put you down Florida seven games. 
Okay. You can't watch that game and say that in and predict that it's not going to go to some games like. Right. <laughs> I mean, they, they really looked like carbon copies of each other. Like, you know, just yeah. a, a palette swap between the jerseys and you got the same team on both sides. I'm curious right. what adjustments will be made. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So um, we have uh, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals has already gone on. Um, oh, actually, you know, before we get to that, Jacob, I got a little uh, little trivia for you. Do okay. you know the longest playoff game in NHL history? If you can give I, me a decade. 1930. Oh, okay. Yeah, the decade. I knew, it, I knew it was an original six uh battle and somewhat, yeah. Was it not an original six? Somewhat. You mean one team was the original six and then I'll give you the two teams. Okay. Detroit and the Montreal Maroons. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, I'd say 1931. Just a stab. All right. Uh, close. 1936, March 24th, 1936, Detroit won one, nothing in a semifinal game between them and the Montreal Maroons. The game lasted 116 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, um, that is, let's see. Um, yep. And then the, the second longest game between Toronto and Boston in 1933 was uh, 104 minutes and 46 seconds. Um, and then pretty much everything else is, is, Modern day. Those are the two longest playoff games we have seen. And as you had mentioned, last night's game ranks sixth on the list of longest games. Six of the top 10 have been since 2000, which is, you know, kind of crazy to me. But, you know, yeah. we, we get longer hockey, the, the more skilled players we get. All right. So we have uh, the Eastern Conference game one in the bag. Florida leads that one game to nothing. Uh, we have the Western Conference Finals that are starting tonight between the uh, Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in Vegas. Um, let, let's take a little preview on that. Um, Jacob, I want to get your thoughts on this series. What are you looking forward to? I, I am curious to see what Vegas can do now that especially this late in the playoffs with a healthy team. Um, they beat a Oilers team that was poised to contend for the cup. And we have a Dallas team who had at some points throughout the season, not looked like a cup contender. And yet here they are in the final four. Mm -hmm. So while Vegas has looked strong throughout the season, I'm curious to see if Dallas can keep turning it on, um, especially after going against teams that, aren't necessarily as a caliber as the teams that Vegas has played against and beaten. All right. We're, we're going back to the regular season records here. Vegas and Dallas also played three times this season. Vegas won all three yes. outscoring or sorry. Um, 
They, sorry, uh, Dallas won all three. Oh, I'm trying to remember who I who, who I'm looking at here. So Dallas went three and zero against the Vegas Golden Knights, outscoring Vegas nine to three in those three games. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there there was that real like in the middle of the season where Dallas was just really hot. Yeah. They faded a little bit down the stretch, which is why Colorado was able to catch them. Also because Colorado had a few more games to catch up on them. Um, they were battling Minnesota. It was just, it was kind of cutthroat for the top of the central. Um, Vegas, you know, they, they really didn't have a whole lot of contention going down the road or down the stretch. Um, they kind of wrapped things up a little bit earlier than in the central. Um, that being said, um, I don't know, Dallas, I don't know how I'm overlooking them. I, I overlook them year after year. And maybe this is the year where I'm, I need to put some faith in the stars. Um, I, I mean, their goaltending solid. And oh. I absolutely love that about a team in the postseason. I, maybe. Yeah. I think this is the year I'm going to have to put my faith in Dallas, but this is going to be, this is going to be a sneakily good series. I think a lot of people might overlook the first few games, but I think this is going to be just a, a really, really good series between two quality clubs in the West. Um, I would like to see um, Vegas move on and get to their second Western conference or second Stanley cup. Um, but it, I mean that maybe that's the the part of me of being a central division team fan and not wanting Dallas to move on. Um, but um, your, your predictions, Jacob on this series before we even start game one. I'm debating between Vegas and five or six. Oh, so even though the stars swept the season series against Vegas, you're still taking Vegas. The reason being um, obviously Mark stone playoff, mm -hmm just beast as well as um jack eichel has been playing quite well and i think he I, I think that team really can give jason robertson a really tough time and a really bit and just make his life a lot harder um it's not like dallas has much else in terms of scoring I mean, they have uh, hints. Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, and I mean, you can't forget Pavelski because he's just a goal scoring machine right now. Yeah, but Pavelski's kind of concussed. The concussions are helping him score, it appears, because he is just <laughs> putting them in the net. Yeah, that is um, true. He, he only, maybe he's seeing two nets and he's aiming right between the two. Um I I don't like of the the top five leaders in goals this postseason, not a single golden knight is on there. Granted, because hints, Pavelski, McDavid, and Dreisidel are all on that list. And guess who's not playing in there? Um well see uh Jack Eichel is tied for sixth right now in uh, in goal scores. And Stevenson is also tied for six. So those are your two Vegas Golden Knights, uh, both with six goals this postseason. 
not to say it's bad, but you know, you, you got um, a nine goal scorer in Hints and an eight goal scorer in Pavelski um, as you know, top scores for each yeah. team. I, I honestly, it, I think it's going to be, it's going to come down to the goaltending and um, Ottinger is just something else. Yeah. I, I do like hot goaltenders and trust me, I want to pick, I'll save I'll save Vegas and six. Um, but I, I just I, I saw Vegas play and I liked it, and I okay. think they're going to rattle Dallas and shut down that top line. Then I don't think they'll have much else. All right, I'm going to go Dallas and seven. That's that's my prediction. It, it pains me to do it, but I'm going to do it. Um, okay. And you have Vegas and seven. How do you not have this series going seven? Because I, I think it'll be close six games. Okay. But it, it, it easily could go seven. It okay. easily could go five. I know All it right. won't be a sweep. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. It will not be a sweep. Um, All right. So there we go. Uh, those are our predictions for the, uh, the conference finals. Um, you know, we're just we're sitting here making our predictions. Maybe we should be sitting in a my custom sports chair. Uh, if you would like to get your hands on a my custom sports chair, head over to mycustomsportschair.com, Enter in code PHN fifteen to get yourself fifteen percent off your order, and uh, you know spruce up that that fan cave. Uh, get some new furniture for that. Um, I would, but mine smells and reeks of uh, sweat right now from all the flooding. All right. So going from playoff hockey to drama in the hockey world, perhaps, and eh, that wasn't a terribly good segue, but we're going to use it anyway. Um, the Arizona Coyotes thought they had a new home in Tempe. Turns out they do not. Tempe voters turned down the Tempe Arena project that would have given the uh, the Arizona Coyotes a... I believe it was a $1.6 billion stadium surrounded by other multi-use uh, facilities in the area. Um, there were three measures that had to pass for uh, for Tempe to allow the Coyotes to build their stadium. All three of them were turned down by Tempe voters. Um, kind of goes, uh, like I, I know initially uh, the, the upfront cost was going to be to the team to build that and to any of the investors. But later on down the road, there were going to be some uh, tax breaks that taxpayers were going to have to pay for to keep that stadium there and to make improvements. Voters did not like that, so they turned it down. So it sounds like there is another season in Mullet Arena for the beloved Desert Dogs, um, the 5,000-seat capacity stadium. And rumors, well, I guess not rumors, but offers are now flying around social media to bring the Arizona Coyotes to different locations. Um, Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs had mentioned that the Kansas City Coyotes kind of has a nice ring to it, offering up his uh, beloved city to bring in an NHL team there for the second time. Um, Houston has also made a strong case asking the NHL, hey, can you give us the, the same proposal that you gave the city of Tempe? we might pass that and we could possibly approve that maybe give it mixed use between them and the Houston Rockets. That seems a little bit more viable. 
And then also, um, there, there's this uh, city uh, down in you know southeast uh, United States known as Atlanta that would just be the full circle of the Winnipeg, Arizona, and Atlanta trifecta. There, um, I don't know. It, it, it the the future of this club just seems to be getting more and more uncertain. Um, I know Commissioner Gary Bettman had mentioned that for the next 25 years, this team is staying in Arizona. They have a commitment to keep that team there. But if they can't find a solution, uh, it seems like this team is going to be on the move. Jacob, I'm going to ask you you first, where do you, where do you see this club in three years and where would you like to see them go? So in three years, there won't be an arena unless it is in one of two places, Houston or Quebec City. Mostly because Houston already has the infrastructure Mm -hmm. and they could easily turn the uh, stadium that the Rockets play in into a multi-use stadium. And that can work. We've seen it with the um, New York Rangers. It's possible and completely viable. Um, Quebec City also has an arena, and they could also be a stopgap for, say, a team in Kansas City or Atlanta because stadiums take, what, three years to build? About, yeah. And there's, it will be very difficult to keep, I think it's next to impossible to keep a team in Arizona. I don't think there's any reason to anymore. I, I never really, especially after, um, the last um, issue with their previous um, arena deal. Mm-hmm. I've kind of just felt like it, hockey is done in Arizona and it should be because there's just, there's no point you yeah. can have, you can reach new markets and, and new fans and you've tried Arizona. You've tried your best. And if, if Gary Bettman says, Oh, we tried sorry, it just isn't going to work. That's reasonable. And I think every Coyotes fan understands. I'm not so sure that it's been a failure as, as part of bringing hockey to Arizona. I don't think that was the failure. I think they've actually done a decent job in trying to expand in that area. I mean, they, they've produced, you know, <laughs> players like, you know, Austin Matthews. Um, I think hockey is really starting to take off in that area. The biggest problem was the management of that club and just the, the, how that franchise has been run and it has been dreadful. If there was any other owner, any other, uh, you know, front office who was running that club, I don't think we would be talking about a team who is, you know, without a home looking for where they're going to spend the next, you know, two seasons, if they're going to move, where they're going to move. Um, I think you have a different ownership, different leadership uh, for that club. We have a viable Arizona Coyotes team. I think that's what really needs to change. It's not going to, but that's what does need to change if they're going to stay in Arizona. Um, there, there's been talk about them partnering with the Phoenix Suns, although that is, Stadium is is kind of dreadful for hockey, but they've done it before, before they moved out to Glendale and now, you know, where they forgot to pay the rent 
or maybe just didn't pay the rent and now they got kicked out. Um, I mean, I, it's sad for me to, to see that this club go through such hard times. It, however, in the next three years, I do agree. They're not going to be in Arizona. In my mind, they end up in Houston. Houston has made the biggest push to bring an NHL team there. Like you said, they have the infrastructure. Um, They can share an arena with the Rockets for a while. And it sounds like the Rockets would be game to build a new arena so they could both share a brand new arena with two teams who could be competitive. And then you also have the in-state built-in rivalry between them and the Dallas Stars. And they won't have to change conferences or divisions. So you can keep everything aligned properly, not have to move teams around. Travel would be fairly easy um, between all the clubs. Um, Atlanta, I think, would be a stretch. I would. I think it would be funny to see that. <laughs> see them, the former Winnipeg Jets, who went to Arizona and then went to Atlanta from the former te- from the city that gave the current Winnipeg Jets their team. Um, that, that would just bring things full circle and I would be happy about that. But, um, in my mind, I think the Houston, uh, I think Houston and their deal is the best deal that that club's going to get. Um, I, to be honest, I don't think a club is going to move to Quebec city. Uh, well, unless I, I, was it's just saying, I was just saying as a stopgap. I, I don't think they would. Them. Yeah. They, they wouldn't do that. Uh, especially if they do end up going to Houston, they already have, something that they could play in. I believe Kansas city still has their old arena up from when they had the Kansas city scouts. Um, I think that's still in use. So they could use that for a couple of years until a new stadium is built. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Houston is the most viable one viable option for this club. Um, and I think, Adam is going to be uh, gloating once this happens because for the last four years, he's been saying that coyotes are moving to Houston coyotes are moving to Houston. And well, here we are Um, not set in stone by any means, but it's looking a lot clearer. Um, That picture is coming a lot clearer. Um, But as we were talking about, uh, you know, commissioner Bettman and what he said about the club, trying to keep them in Arizona, he was one of the, the biggest um, cheerleaders to bring hockey to the desert into non-traditional hockey markets. Jacob, what would this do to his legacy as a commissioner? If Arizona were to have to relocate, I don't think it would, uh, it wouldn't be his fault. I think he did everything in his power as the commissioner. And I think everyone sees that. I feel like it does not impact his legacy whatsoever. Okay. Um, I mean, but, but I will say if he keeps them in the desert and, ha- and just forces them to stay there and it continues to fail, then that will impact his legacy. Okay. And that, and that, you know, I here's the rare uh, occasion where I actually agree with you, Jacob. Um, I, I think his his force, his willingness, and his want to keep that market involved in the NHL is kind of blinding him to 
what reality is in in Arizona and with the NHL. Um, I, I don't know. I, I see, you know, damage to his legacy either way because he brought Arizona in. Great. Um, it did good things for that community. Um, it didn't pan out. And I think when they had a chance to relocate the team before, you know, all this, uh, you know, all this craziness happened, they didn't take it. And they, I think at this point when he's really pushing for them to stay, I think that is what, what's going to, what he's going to be known for rather than giving Arizona a chance, even if it did fail. I th- feel like he's just, he's ridden this just a bit too far. I also heard someone, or heard rumors about like Salt Lake City for some reason, which I, I wouldn't understand that either. But hopefully, I, I also think that Houston, may, Houston's by far the most likely. I mean, Salt Lake City, I mean, they, they have the Jazz there, so... They have the Utah yeah. Jazz. They they could split arena time until more permanent solution is made. Sure. All right. <laughs> so, there we go. Um. Oh boy. I I think we we need to to trim up this segment that it's been running a little too long. Um. If you need to trim yourself up, visit our friends over at Manscaped. Head over to manscaped.com/slash/prohockeynews. Save yourself twenty percent off your purchase of some of their fine products all right uh we've gone playoffs we've gone drama in the desert um i think the the next next biggest story to come out this week kyle dubas is out for the gm position in toronto jacob did this come as a shock to you uh no i mean it was a it was after they made it to the second round it became a 50 50 and after how they played in the second round and getting absolutely beat up by Florida. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Davis is out of a job in Toronto and it's unfortunate. He w- he's a great, great general manager and he won't be able to work for long, but unfortunately they had to make a change. Yeah. Uh, listening to the, the press conference with the, uh, the president of the club, uh, it sounded like, there's more than what we're being told. And I know there always is, there always will be. Um, but it sounded like there, there was a little bit of tension. Uh, they didn't offer him a contract extension at the beginning of this year, which was the final year of his contract. Um, they said, you know, they reported Kyle was fine with that. I don't know how fine he was with it. Granted that he's been the GM for the last six years. He's brought in some pretty big names to that team. He is, he has inked some pretty big deals for that club that I, I don't know. I, I can't fault him for, for what he's put there and the lack of production. I don't know if that's something you can fault the GM for. Um, he's, he's gotten them assets that they've absolutely needed. So season goes on and towards the end of the season, they decide, you know, maybe we do want to keep this guy around. We're playing well. Things are going well for our club. Let's offer him a contract extension. They work it out with his his agent. You know, they're having their back and forth. Here comes playoff time. Still no signed contract. Um, I, I don't know. Part of me thinks that, that Dubas 
kind of wanted out. <laughs> like he, he's, he's put together a, a roster for this club that really should be making it at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. Never mind their their problems in the past with you know the first round of the playoffs. They should be making it easily second round Eastern Conference, possibly cup. This is a club who is built for the playoffs. They just don't perform in the playoffs. And I think he was feeling a lot of that pressure. And this is not verified through any source that we have. This is just me kind of reading between the lines. I feel like he wanted out. Yeah. And and to help with that, um, according to Frank Cervelli from Sportsnet, um, apparently there, Dubis's agent pre- presented a new financial package, and that caused uh, Brendan Shanahan to go to a different place mentally for um, Kyle Dubis negotiations. And then mm-hmm. there's another rumor from a, a beat writer in Toronto. Uh, that he demanded between six and seven million for five years in total autonomy. That's a big ask for what you know when you know you're on the bubble. Yeah. So that might lend to your thought where it's like uh, break open the bank or see ya. Well, I mean, I feel like he, he kind of he, he earned that. I mean, look at the names he brought brought in. They signed a deal with. Uh, they brought John Tavares in. They uh, they brought in Ryan O'Reilly in free agency this year. You know, these were these are big names who produce in the postseason. They finally got over the hurdle out of the out of the first round into the second round. I know very low bar for the te- kind of talent they have on this team, but I. This this is a guy who has acquired a lot of the big contracts you have, um, you know, dollar amount, year amount, say what you will about those. But he brought in all this talent. Any other team in the NHL would kill for half of this roster. And he, he has given you many of the tools you need. And I think we can all agree that goaltending was one of their biggest uh, it has been their biggest issue since he's been there but i don't know exactly like who he could have signed given the the other massive contracts they have and he's done a really good job at trying to fix that hole unfortunately it's just not worked out no it hasn't um so yeah i mean um we'll see uh what dubas's future is going to be um I, you know, there's got to be a few clubs out there who are now being like, oh, really? Hmm. Maybe <laughs> we should be giving this guy a call. Um, I, they did. It was mentioned that he's going to be taking some time away. Maybe just the postseason. We'll see. We'll see. I'd also like to mention that after uh, after this year, Toronto has no cap space whatsoever. And they have to sign everyone. So that's going to be fun. A little parting gift from your former GM. Oh, by the way, <laughs> here are all the contracts who are going to expire and you have no cap space. Bye. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, just uh, given uh, what they have after next season, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten unrestricted free agents after next season. Um, plus you have 
what, 32, almost, uh, $33 million tied up in three players. Yeah. Sound familiar, Chicago Blackhawks? <laughs> <laughs> but the length of contract isn't as, as long as, as what Chicago was offering. So, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting um, situation developing in Toronto. We'll keep you updated as far as uh, any other uh, GM candidates or interim GMs that they bring in uh, in the offseason as we head towards the uh, – the NHL draft. All right. Um, yeah, I believe we've, um, we've covered, uh, we've covered just about everything here in the league. Um, Jacob, shall we do a couple of weekend picks, get some bet 99 picks going on? I mean, there's only two games. We can stretch this out as well. <laughs> so we'll find a way, creative, creative, uh, game pickers find a way. Yes. Mm. So the uh, we might not know, but the IIHF is playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to pick some games just for fun. Um, it's all uh, just for fun. the closest one? Let's go Kakistan versus Latvia. <laughs> Give me Latvia. I like their chances. Okay. I'll pick Latvia as well. <laughs> And um, uh, let's go. These are all going to be slaughters. Norway versus Czechia. Okay, Czechia. Um, Czechia. I'll, I'll take them. Okay. Forget Norway. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Carolina or the, Florida at Carolina. Florida at Carolina. I think the jerks come back. I'll take the jerks. Okay. I will take the Panthers. I don't okay. know why. And then the Sunday game between Dallas and Vegas. In Vegas, I believe. Yeah, it will be in Vegas. Who do you oh, got? I, I really want to pull an Adam Minnick here and say whoever doesn't win game one will win game two. Uh, I'm going I'm going Vegas game two. Okay. Um you know, I think Vegas is going to win game one, and I think Dallas is going to win game two. Okay, if you'd like to follow along, uh, please use the hashtag PHNPicks and the Twitter account at PHNPodcast. All right, time for the uh, parting shots. Jacob, what you got? Oh, boy, the Oilers. I'm very excited <laughs> to see what they're going to do this offseason. I think that they're going to be still a very good team. We still got Elk Ekholm and yeah. And also good luck to team Canada in the IIHF world championship. All right. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to change sports here for, for a minute. Um, I am going to move over to the adult ultimate disc league. Um, that is now underway for their 2023 season. Um, if you haven't checked out the, uh, uh, you know, the American or yeah, the American <laughs> ultimate disc league, their acronym just gets me. Um, it's worth taking a peek. These games need to be televised on either Twitch or on Hulu. Somebody needs to pick these up. These are extremely entertaining. Um, and just <sighs> watching men run around trying to catch a Frisbee is just the most hilarious thing 
And you know what? <laughs> I, I'm not taking anything away from the sport. It's it's utterly ridiculous, but in a very entertaining way. So if you get a chance to catch any of the games going on in the uh, Ultimate Disc League, check it out. Colorado Summit are in the second place in the Western in the Western Division right now. Uh, one game behind the Salt Lake Shred. Yes, there are some quality names in here. Um, so that's what I got for my parting shot. Uh, listeners, thank you very much for making us a part of your routine. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Manscaped, My Custom Sports Chair, the Chicago Wolves Merchandise Store, and LDE Affinity Jewelry. Um, and Jacob, thank you very much for joining me. Lou, we missed you. Have fun at Billy Idol. I still can't believe you you passed us up for, for him. But hey, you know what? <laughs> Teach their own. Listeners, I will see everybody next week.